Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, on behalf Team of Detroit, hey, we want to present these buffs to our governor, Big hey. Gretch. Throw the buffs on her face, cause that's Big Gretch. We ain't even about to stress, we got Big Gretch. Woo. You can find her in the press, under Big Gretch. Fresh in a new dress, yeah, that's Big Gretch. Throw the buffs on her face, cause that's Big Gretch. We ain't even about to stress, we got Big Gretch. At all. You can find her in the press, under Big Gretch. Fresh in a new dress, yeah, that's Big Gretch. Come on. Big Gretch and this bitch playing no roles. Excuse all. all the cussing, that's just how I get my flow on. For real. If you want to leave the state, you can stay gone. But right now, Big Gretch says stay home. Sit your ass down. All that protesting was irrelevant. irrelevant. Big Gretch ain't trying to hear y'all or the president. How we gonna take orders from a non-resident? Talking about it safe, but he ain't coming with the evidence. Big Gretch got him shook now. What's up, everybody, and welcome to a surprise episode of the Chungus Cast. We had to jump on and get you guys the news because it's our duty as reporters and media to uh, report what's happening. Just kidding, but not really. Um, we we really did want to make an episode based on the literal unprecedented events that happened on Wednesday, and I'm sure you all were equally as uh, maybe not surprised, but equally as shocked and disappointed as we were. Additionally, you might notice the music is a little different. Uh, this is G Mac Cash with Big Gretch, uh, who is Gretchen Whitmer, the uh, governor of Michigan. And the reason we're using this song in this episode is because I think we talk about her a very tiny bit in the podcast episode, but I mostly just wanted to get on here and say, like, they there was a plot to kidnap her. Um, I don't know how many times that has actually happened with a governor of a state. So we really are living in uh, very strange times. This is straight-up domestic terrorism. Just going to call it like it is. Uh, if you're trying to kidnap the governor of a state, you are a terrorist. If you're trying to stop the certification of a lawful election by force, you are a terrorist. There's no there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I'm going to call a spade a spade. Uh, don't know if that expression is still politically correct, but screw it. And, yeah, that's basically all I have. Uh, I'll hit you with a calls to action at the end, like I always do. But yeah, I just wanted to shout out Big Gretch in the in the intro here because I love her. I think she's gorgeous and amazing and a great governor. And I'm fight, you know, Big Gretch. That song tells you all you need to know. Um, and I don't even care if it's copyright stricken. I don't care. I'm playing it. Uh, go listen to G Mac Cash though. Give him some of those royalties. Uh, and yeah, that's all I have. Everybody, I hope you enjoy the episode. I hope I haven't alienated too many of you i really am open to any sort of discussion if you want to challenge me uh you know where to hit up my line i'm here i'm i'm here and i'm ready to listen and you know i'm here to challenge you as well but you know i i think we all just need some love right now and some laughter and i think this episode will help give you that laughter and a little bit of healing maybe perhaps so without further ado here it is uh episode five of season two of the chungus cast 15 episodes everybody that's a pretty big milestone and we got a lot more hilarity to give you uh enjoy all right we're here everybody uh episode five of season two a surprise episode because you know the earth is burning um i'll introduce my guests but why don't they introduce themselves and each of them uh starting with andrew i guess uh, give a two-minute, a Tom Brady rundown of the answer to this question. And the question is, is comedy appropriate when the world is burning around you? Don't think about it, just answer, and uh, let's hear what you got. Hey guys, it's Andrew. I've been on a few episodes before, and Gif, that's a, a great question, and I think the answer is yes. I think comedy 
as an evolutionary tool has been uh, a way for humans to process struggle. I think that if people's only emotions uh, when they're confronted with hardness were, uh, were sadness and anger and frustration, I don't think that we would, we would get anywhere because those are very overwhelming emotions. Um, and I think that, you know, I, I think a lot about how, uh, you know, I don't know who it was that said that like the saddest, the saddest people are always the ones who are trying to make people laugh. Uh, like I always think of Robin Williams, who, you know, obviously was a very, uh, prominent, uh, prolific comedic actor, uh, who, dealt with, um, you know, some serious depression, you know, drug abuse. Uh, later in his life, he was diagnosed with, I think it was Lewy body dementia, uh, and he ended up taking his life. Uh, but at the same time, it was one of those instances where no one really knew that um, that was going on because, you know, you, you kind of have that all bundled up uh, with a smile and a laugh. Um, but I, I mean, I do think it's appropriate. Some people are like, don't make memes, um, especially related to the events yesterday with the storming of the Capitol. But I think that's the only way we can really, really process these emotions without just being just bummed out and, and overwhelmed with, um, with, with uh, you know, some of the decisions that humans make um, that, that are negative. And I think that the only way we can rectify that um, it, especially when, you know, we, we get, we get shit on and we get dirt thrown in our face is to, is to laugh and smile and trying to figure out the silver lining of it. So I think that's about two minutes. Yep. Nice. Uh, let's move down now to, uh, Alex. Hey, I'm Alex. Um, so I'm having trouble answering the question because, um, I don't know what it means to have the world burning around me and I don't know what it means to be appropriate for comedy to be out there. Who's to say what's appropriate and what's not? I, I think I will be contrary to Andrew to an extent, though, because um, there are some things that in the moment need to be dealt with in a serious manner. Um, I don't think it's okay um, when police kill an unarmed black man to make jokes about that because racism, systemic racism, is a huge issue in this country that everyone in the United States needs to come to terms to, uh, needs to come to terms with, um, and a solution and equality needs to come forward. And when the platform of social discourse is used to make light of these things, whether or not the comedy is used to process um, this world burning, and I'm using that in air quotes, um, I think that's irrelevant, but um, I think that a lot of things need to be dealt with in a serious manner if a solution is going to come to light. And I don't think that's any different um, regarding the events that happened at the Capitol yesterday when rioters stormed the Capitol building and entered and seemed to be escorted in by the police when they took over um, the House floor. Um, I think that, that those actions are a result of a massive rift in the country and a, um, a the people drifting away from facts. Um, however, I don't think anyone is to say what's appropriate and what setting um, this comedy can be used in. So, you know, everyone is welcome to make jokes whenever they want, but if solutions, um, acceptance, equality is to be brought forward, I don't think comedy is the answer. Nice. Good answer. Uh, all right, and finally, the other Andrew, and Drew, MF Drew. <laughs> hey guys, uh, I'm Drew. Been on the pod uh, once before for our election special. Um, I think I sort of agree with a bit of what both Andrew and Alex said. I think that it takes a certain level of uh, maturity to be able to, but I, but I think it's possible to be able to acknowledge events and occurrences as both tragic and comedic. Um, so in situations like that, I think comedy is more of a privilege than a right, right? You have to, like, I can, I know, I personally can look at yesterday, what happened yesterday and say that there were a lot of tragedies that occurred, but also a lot of it is like really hilarious. Um, and I think you can acknowledge both of those at the same time and say that there are serious problems that need to be 
um, need to be addressed. And certainly, like people in positions of power and in leadership, need not make jokes about them. Um, but at the same time, I can also like look at the picture of the guy sitting at Nancy Pelosi's desk with his feet up on the table and like think that's just like uh, incredible and an incredible image. And um, uh, so, so I think it takes a certain like level of maturity um, to be able to acknowledge both at the same time. Um, and the, the, the fact that you can find comedy in something doesn't take away from the seriousness of it and doesn't take away from the fact that something needs to be done about it uh, to touch on like what Alex was saying. Um, so uh, I do think it is appropriate, but I, I, don't, I don't think it's appropriate when people uh, use comedy instead of tragedy, right? I, so I just don't think uh, they're mutually exclusive. You can have you can have both, but I do think it's inappropriate to overwrite one with the other to be like, uh, you know, yesterday wasn't a big deal. It was just a bunch of people like story on the Capitol, like uh, so funny, which yes, it is funny, but like you have to acknowledge the tragic as well. So that's how I feel. Nice. Well, uh, sorry to interrupt. Oh, what you have more to add? Yeah, I just wanted to mm. kind of retouch. I think I was taking your question a little bit more generally than than Alex and, and Drew did, uh, because I, I I certainly agree. I mean, there's obviously elements of yesterday and the rect reckoning of America. Um, these kind of two two groups of and in the the current division that we're seeing. That's not a process that's going to be. Uh, that's not a suture that's going to be sewn uh, by making jokes. You know, I, I for one, I, I do find uh, a lot of resonance with what Drew said because some this whole presidency, some elements of it have been absolutely terrifying and some have been absolutely hilarious. For example, uh, obviously the response to Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico was, was horrible, catastrophic. Um, but it's hard to discount that there's a certain amount of humor in uh, the president throwing out paper towels to a crowd as if that's going to to rectify the situation. So, and another example, um, obviously the guy who was wearing like that big bison hat yesterday, like that's just in its immediacy, that's a funny image. Also, there was somebody in there in the Capitol uh, with, uh, I believe it was a sweatshirt that said something along the lines of Camp Auschwitz. Uh, so that obviously is, uh, it's not very funny. That's, oh my God. I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to, we'll get to a, you know, a deep analysis of everything that happened but yesterday, I'm, but let me just rephrase. But I, I don't think, I think you guys are taking, you know, what I'm asking a little too, I don't, I don't mean like, oh, is, is, is. Should you are you allowed to use comedy to like solve your problems? I mean, like you're on the Titanic and it's sinking, and you're the captain, and the ship is going down. Are you allowed to make a joke about that? And I think the answer is yes, because yes. you know, crying about it and being sad about it, and you know, like praying. None of those things. Well, maybe praying if you're of that belief system, but like those things aren't going to change anything that that's help. happening. Uh, the ship is still going down. So I think what I'm trying to say is, you know, you're allowed to make light of things that you can't control. Comic relief. And that are bad for you. That's that's what I mean. Not yeah, not that makes so much good sense. Not so much if like the outcome is not going to change, then you can look at it exactly how you are. You say you could, it can either happen if you're laughing or if you're crying. So you right. might as well be laughing. That that makes sense. Yeah, and also, you know, just a way to open things up. Now, with with all your arguments being being said, I think that, you know, the majority consensus is now we have full leeway to totally and completely make fun of everything that just happened yesterday and laugh about it because... Oh, that's how that works. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> now we have a, a blank check, a moral blank check to, to say whatever we want on here. And if you don't like that... Well then, I don't know. That was pretty clever. Well then, don't listen to the Chungus cast. Just kidding. Yeah. Keep listening. But I mean, <laughs> you know, if, if if like they had more success yesterday, I think we people's tones would be different. Or if or if people who were, you know, uh, there's some question about one police officer, what happened to their health status. But if people on on the non 
uh, I don't know what, what to call them, QAnon, Trump, MAGA heads, Trumpists, I'll just say Trumpists. Boot lickers. If non-Trumpists, if more non-Trumpists were hurt, I think people would be, the tone would be a little different, but because it was just basically like a zoo episode, it was like a a strange movie is what we saw yesterday. Yes, yes. I'm guessing the yeah, comedic yeah, I, tone you're referring to comes from Twitter, because I, I haven't heard any like jokes about it or anything. Oh, it's oh, not Twitter's jokes. It's not. It's, it's, oh, I imagine. They say Wait, pictures guys. Pictures worth a thousand words. Just look at some of the imaging. It's and it's, images, it's absurd. Yeah. It's the funniest yeah, thing I've ever seen. It, it, it is pretty incredible. It's, it's, it's crazy. I, I could totally imagine myself sitting down there on the, on the in the chair of the Speaker of the House if things were like totally different. If we were supposed to have a some kind of a revolution that I thought would be... A revolution you were in favor of? Right there. <laughs> If Trump had won, does that, does that be... not make sense? Like a revolution where <laughs> no, it, you know, it, the it, ideals were. It it makes sense. It's just ironic because it's kind of like <laughs> you know the same criticism we're having of them is that you know that to them that was a revolution. Oh, yeah. yeah, they believe they were in the right. That's exactly. Well, what no, did. it's not I, just I, about I belief. They wanted to change the government and take control, and we did. And the people, the, well, the majority of people, they were misled about what happened in the election, and that's why they wanted to take control. I don't know if they were trying to change the government, but they were objectively. They, were not they following objectively the they wanted Trump to be in charge of the government. And, right. Yeah. Fair. Okay. You know. But donkeys. Let's let's Utter move on. Donkeys. Unless An- Andrew, I know I cut you off a bunch of times there, but you were trying to talk about something. The only thing I wanted to add really um, is my favorite tweet of all time where it's like, Twitter is nothing but jokes. There could be a, an asteroid coming to destroy Earth and someone would put the crying Jordan on, <laughs> on a picture of Earth. And I just thought that like just epitomizes Twitter so perfectly because well, that's, yeah, there were exactly. some people obviously like in between the doom scrolling that was yesterday, you know, trying to get updates, trying to make sense of what's going on. Um, you know, there are people making jokes and now I, I completely agree. I, I think you're right about the clean slate. Um, if let's say for instance, I, I know they disarmed a, a couple different explosive devices at the Capitol yesterday. If one of those would have gone off and a lot more people would have been hurt. Um, if I know that people had come in with, uh, you know, automatic weapons and zip ties, um, you know, if it, it came down to like a congressman or woman, um, you know, being zip tied and kidnapped um, and possibly killed, um, I think that it would have been a different story. And I, I obviously don't find the death of people who have been, uh, you know, swayed into this Trump death cult. I don't find that funny. Um, but I think that there is some humor um, in looking at yesterday's images uh, with, uh, you know, some of in comparison to some of my anxiety yesterday about what the worst case scenario for it would be. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And also, it's like, I don't know, to me, I never, even though everything was going crazy, I never actually thought somebody like a congressman would be harmed. And that's probably, looking back, that's probably pretty naive because it actually did get a lot more violent than I thought it was going to get, even with them inside the Capitol building. But I thought they were just going to break in and like basically just... Because they were showing videos of them inside the building, and they were just like orderly walking around, and I, yeah. you know, we, yeah, some coppers let them in, like they were giving a tour. Yeah, we know now that there are there are other parts of the Capitol where they were like chanting and breaking like Nancy Pelosi's name tags and stuff. But overall, it looked very mundane inside the Capitol. It was almost like they broke in, and then they were like, you know, the yeah. scene from Finding Nemo where they're like, now what? All the fish. I- I saw a good tweet that was like, oh, like all these people broke into the Capitol, but then it showed a picture of them in the rotunda. And when they were in the rotunda, they stayed inside the like velvet ropes that are used to keep people from walking uh, astray. And they were all contained within the ropes. It's like Uh, herding cats. Well, they literally just, they're just following the leader there, you know? Yeah. They're following the person in front of them. That's the only way they ended up in there. But I'm, I mean, are they, 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 those people are so misled about, you know, the processes of government and also the laws that they did, like, there's no way they thought what, like, understood the gravity of what they were doing because no. that's like... <laughs> it goes deeper than that. They don't. It's not that they don't 
understand the laws. It's that they think that, you know, they're, they're conspiracy theorists. Well, they yeah, think that the right. severity of the situation supersedes the laws. I agree, agree with that to an extent, but I also think they had no idea that what they were doing is like carries like a 20-year like sentence in prison. Yeah, it's like a serious, <laughs> serious federal crime. It's like it's like straight up domestic terrorism, and they they just thought, oh, it's oh, it's an open building. They were like everybody in there was just yelling, they work for us, they work for us. We're allowed to be in here. This is our house. Like they actually think that's how it works. It's not. And I think that it's not how it works. <laughs> I think that the gravity of the situation is it adds another layer, especially. Um, if you're very familiar with, uh, you know, the National Mall in the Washington D.C. area, you know, growing up in the area, it's somewhere that I'm I'm there, you know, multiple times a month. And uh, you know, when I was an intern at the Hill, I remember going down to the Capitol to get my press pass, and it was just like this whole ordeal. Like the whole perimeter was secured. It was ridiculous. Like you know, to get in, I'm pretty sure there was like a bomb threat or something the one day I tried to go. So I had to go back the other day, go in, you have to go through all the security. You can't even bring in a water bottle. I'm sure the people yesterday brought in uh, some, some things that would definitely be considered contraband, but just how sterile and how secured, like I, 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 I have in my mind uh, when I think of places like the Capitol and the white house uh, or the Washington monument, it, it that that makes it extra bizarre because maybe you know some people were watching yesterday perhaps in a different part of the country and they haven't had the opportunity to to make it to DC and they probably thought well you know there's just tours in there anywhere um, you know these people you know they got a little rowdy but no it was just like a complete contrast to what I'm used to seeing at the Capitol it it was truly strange and you know I've been in the Capitol and. The there, I don't think there's a building with, besides maybe the White House, with crazier security. It just boggled my mind that they could breach that building. There's also, um, I believe, like a 24-hour guard watch th uh, in, a, in a, a perimeter around the Capitol because that's the jurisdiction of the Capitol Police, not the Metro Police. And, and the, the chief of the Capitol Police rightfully resigned today. Oh, okay. That's good. It's just yeah, you have absurd. one job. <laughs> Yeah, like this is the only time that they've actually needed the Capitol Police yep, to do something in like over uh, since 1812 <laughs> or 1814 rather. And they just fucked it up. It, you know what it is? It's like the boy who cried wolf. Well, they're always there watching. You know? Yeah, they, there. well, that's the thing. They never threats. have combat experience. I think I saw the last time someone was like killed was in 1998. Someone like tried, like ran in the building with a gun Oh damn. 25 years ago. 23 years ago yeah yeah it's just you know wow what oh that couldn't have been 23 years ago because that was uh 1998 is after we were born oh wait are we more than 23 years old yes alex <laughs> oh my god <laughs> have you guys ever heard about the uh the bombing of the senate in 1983 no please please enlighten it, us yeah that was in a trash can right somebody put a bomb in a trash can so I'm looking at it right now um, on Wikipedia, and I'll, I'll paraphrase. So it was a bomb explosion in the Senate on November 7th, 1983, motivated by United States military involvement in Lebanon and Grenada. The attack led to heightened security in the D.C. metropolitan area and the inaccessibility of certain parts of the Senate building. Okay, so maybe that's the reason why, you know, when us in our uh, post-9-11 coming of age, when we when we think about the Capitol being an incredibly secure facility, maybe it's for reasons like that. So, um, <laughs> you know, domestic terrorists well, don't have the dude, opportunity. We ain't to go seen nothing yet. I don't, I don't understand how the built, like the windows were not bulletproof. Like how did they just, they just, one guy just oh, beat it hysterical. in with, with a freaking like riot shield. It was, <laughs> like, what are the, who designed this man? This is the silliest. Uh, and they were see so they were in the house chamber with police barricading the doors using like benches and stuff. Yeah. Did they have a budget? Yeah. What, did, what kind of, did their security just took the day off? That doesn't make any sense. They had to use a bench. How did they to not have people like from getting in? automatic locking doors? Like how did they not That's have insane. like door stops that like 
every federal building in DC has those like giant barricades that come up so you can't even drive up yeah. to the curb next to a building and they can't even lock the Senate house doors. <laughs> the funds that normally would be for securing the Capitol building have gone to bolster the defense fund. Yeah, I don't know. Well, someone on this call is benefiting from that defense money more than anyone yeah. else. Not going to say who. Uh, two people, sort yeah, of. Yeah, two people. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm glad Blue Labs matter to these people because it's not as though they didn't almost kill or possibly kill a policewoman. So, of course Wait, they matter. That? They escorted them in. Just kidding. They're good buddies of theirs. I, I think it's unclear right now, but yeah, there's definitely somebody was hit in the head with a fire extinguisher, a cop. I saw that. Oh my god! And uh, they're either on life support it's or John Cena with a fire extinguisher or dead. So that's great. Um, let's move on, unless you guys have more to add. I, you know, we all, we all saw the pictures. We all saw Buffalo Bill and his cronies. I, I just think, think it's, it's important incredible. to know that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, this happened so easily and so quickly without anyone feeling as if they could do anything about it. It's not the last time that something like this is going to happen in the near future. I think it, it can get worse. It will get worse, I'm believing. Well, it's the last time that any, I think any building in the mall is going to get raided like that. There's absolutely no chance that's going to happen again. Like, Don't jinx yeah, us. Yeah, I, I can believe that. But when you have huge groups of people who deny the existence of facts and believe what one or two select individuals tell them, there, there will be hysteria. Oh, well, there'll, there'll be more. There'll be, you know, I'm sure there'll be something similar to Charlottesville again. It, it's just going to honestly depend on Trump. If he tries to, like, rally the troops, they're going to be rallied. So, and then also, I, I think... I texted my dad about this earlier, and I, I was like, hey, you're, you're missing something, because he, he lives in Australia. Yeah. Um, and he was like... I, I could tell over text that he, he was he was in shock. And he's normally... You know, he, he's a really easygoing, even kind of aloof guy sometimes, just really carefree. And he was he was in shock. And he told me he's considering Australian citizenship and he couldn't believe what was happening. And that's all he said. And he's never so brief as that. So Damn. I was like, wow, that's that's insane. Yeah, it's crazy. I I just hope the one thing that I kind of fear is that if is counter protesters clashing, like whoever's in charge of the counter protesters. They should just understand that if they try and combat this right now, there will be a literal civil war. And that, you know, in my opinion, the best thing they should do is nothing and, and let this die out. Because that's what's yeah, going to happen. Can we talk about um, what's happening in terms of, you know, the, the hypothetical possibility of a civil war? It, the civil war kind of feels closer now than it, it, it ever could have felt, I would have thought, a few years ago. Um, and there's one side, there, there's the side of the conspiracy theorists and maybe the hyper-conservatives who are crazy about guns. They love their guns, they're armed. If a civil war breaks out, they're going to be ready for it and they're going to want it. And then there's the other side, um, you know, mainly held by liberals. Um, a lot of them are anti-gun. They're not going to have anything. Well, um, I here's where so I just... Dis- can I stop you right there? Is here's What it's going to be is the two extremes. It's going to be, like you said, ultra-right wing... Uh, extremist groups and then there's the ultra left anarchist groups and you know they love their guns. exactly and and those two people also on top of you know loving guns they also love conflict and it's it's the perfect recipe and that's why i'm saying you know whoever's in charge of i don't want to say antifa but like these anti-fascist organizations like just please Can you get the leader of antifa on the cast here? move it Please get on the phone. We'll just move it. please do not use this as an opportunity to create what you want, which is anarchy. Just please don't, because right now those those QAnon people look really effing stupid, and all they need is a scapegoat, which is you guys antagonizing yeah. them. Well, this this gun thing, it was it was really funny to me where my uncle was having this argument with me. He's like, you know, there's one side with the guns and one side without them. And what you're <laughs> saying makes sense, where it's the extremes. But he he he, you know, he 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 likes guns. Guns are his hobbies. So he he's trying to convince me to get a gun, and I was really considering it. Um, I was really thinking about going to the store and just buying a cheap twenty-two just to have it, just to you know appease my uncle. Um, but I was 
I was waking up really slowly one morning and I hear, heard a tap at my back door and I, I sleep in the basement. So the back door is like in my room. Um, and I, I go out there and I like go outside. I'm like, Oh, I wonder who's knocking on my door. And then I go back in and I like go back to bed as if nothing happened. And then I hear it again and I, I go up and it's, it's just a bird. Um, but then I, I thought the next, you know, later that day, I was like, you know, if I had a gun in the house, I probably wouldn't have thought twice to, to, pull it out and see what was what. And I, I realized I did not want to be that kind of guy. And I, it didn't make any sense to me that, that there's this, this huge portion of the US population that feels like that's what you have to do when something like that goes down. Um, it kind of worries me. I think it's interesting. I was watching, have you guys ever seen Bowling for Columbine? No. I actually saw it like almost right when it came out when I was like seven because I, uh, well, no, you know, I, I, not when it almost when it came out, but when I was seven or six, I lived in uh, Littleton, Colorado, where Columbine was, and I actually had a Christmas pageant at the school. So when I was seven years old, uh, my parents like sort of had me watch some of it. And it was like, this happened here in town. It will never happen again because it's, it's so horrifying, but you need to know it happened. Huh. I actually didn't know you lived in Littleton, but there's a point of that movie uh, where Michael Moore goes to Canada and gun ownership there is actually incredibly high, or at least it was in 2003 when the movie was made. And they all live, uh, a lot of them just don't lock their doors. And it, it was interesting to see the kind of two realities of, you know, America, especially after 9-11, has been so focused on security. And I think that a lot of gun ownership is probably driven by a little bit of that anxiety. What am I going to do if someone breaks in? Am I going to be able to defend myself and defend my family? And I wonder sometimes if uh, that that difference in mentality between us and, and Canadians is uh, how, how much of it is propagated by the media. And that's another thing they touch on in the movie is you know, they, they, they plastered the pictures of those kids everywhere. I'm not going to say their names. You know them. Um, and the same thing with 9-11. You know, they had those pictures rolling for weeks uh, of the Twin Towers burning. I think that does something to you psychologically that you see the world. Well, I mean, I, I was a comm student and I was good for <laughs> a little bit of media analysis, but you know, it's, it's this real thing called mean world syndrome where you see these images plastered everywhere of war and pestilence and, and, and terrible shit. And you think this, this world is horrible. This is, I, you know, I, I need a gun. Like that's the only way where I'm going to be able to ensure my safety and my security. Um, and, I, I bet if you actually looked at the crime statistics, um, America is probably a safer place than it than it has been. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's I way it. safer than it's been in the seventies, eighties, and nineties. Yeah, exactly. That's for sure. Um, I think it's definitely kind of fluctuated strangely over the past decade or so. But I don't know. I th I just I don't know. I think that. There's a lot of disconnect, and I and I want to get off this topic because I think where you've spent too much time being serious. Um, but I think there's a lot of disconnect when, like, between the people who are like who want no guns and they want all this other stuff, and I see where they're coming from. But they use like same thing with coronavirus. They use like different places on this earth to justify that, and that doesn't really hold yeah. up for me for a no number of reasons. Number one is the United States is unlike any other country. Uh, on paper, just based on the, you know, how the government is set up, the freedoms that are given to the people, all that great stuff. And on top of that, it's logistically a nightmare um, to uh, regulate compared to these other countries because there's not one ethnic population like most of these other countries. It's not like China. It's not like Sweden. There's many different ethnicities with different backgrounds who are constantly interacting and either clashing or you know there, there's there's a, it's a mesh of cultures that ca that causes tensions and then on top of that there's all these different localities throughout the country every state is is its own sovereign and how do you you know allow those states to maintain sovereignty while also managing them at a federal level it's it's almost impossible 
And that's why, you know, some people are, think the Constitution is so amazing because it somehow does all this. And it's worked for, you know, 200 plus years. Who knows how long it'll keep it up. But there's no country on earth where they have dual sovereignty like this. And people don't understand that. They think the states are just like provinces or something. They're not. They're literally their own countries. It's like it's like if Africa were to also have a federal government that controlled all of Africa. Or Europe. Yeah, that's an absolutely it, fantastic point. I, I totally agree with that. And I, I think it's really funny because that show I mentioned to you that I was watching on National Geographic, Life Below Zero, takes place in Alaska. And if those people didn't have their guns, they'd die. Like, there, there, there couldn't be a national gun legislation that requires background checks. Because, you know, a lot of people get into some shit when they're young. They have felonies. And, you know, they need their guns to, to survive in the winter. They don't have grocery stores. They just can't have protein and meat. But then, you know, you can see the argument from the other side where a lot of people say um, volatile places in the U.S., like the south side of Chicago, where guns are used um, for extreme violence at high statistical rates. Um, it, it's just sort of a polarization. And so there, there's no homogenous way that we can look at this. Um, it has to be sort of state by state. Because, exactly. Yeah, and totally. I, th people, and people I do think not realize it. And I think that's where, you know, that's where there's a huge disconnect between, I think, the left and the right is the right thinks that. We have to have only local rules and regulations because local rules and regulations are best set up to govern their own lo locality, whereas the left kind of wants the opposite. They want, you know, homogenous rule across the board, and there has to be some combination of the two. And, you know, police power, the power to protect and enforce laws is supposed to be left to the states. Um not to get technical here, but, you know, <laughs> banning guns at a federal level would be a very hard and legally thing to do. And it also, there's a reason for that. And, you know, there's all, this also goes into the electoral, electoral college argument. It's not just meant to disenfranchise people. It's there because you want certain play, you want to balance, um, balance the power between these large population centers and you want states to also have some sort of say in the federal government that is somewhat equal. And if you just allow, you know, if you just allow national voting or a, a national majority to control everything, then it just becomes, you know, Los Angeles, New York City, and Chicago control everything pretty much. And, you know, maybe that sounds more fair, but like it doesn't really work for the people who don't live anywhere near those places who would basically be left out to dry. And I think that's what, uh, you know, that's that's kind of where these tensions are coming from. People think it's all racism, and there's a lot of that, but I think most of it is is just this disconnect between rural and urban populations and people not really thinking about other people and how their lives are completely different. But sorry to ramble here. Um, we are already 30 minutes in, and we have a lot to get to. Unless you guys have more to add. I think this would be a great segue into something else because I, I I really do like our analysis so far. But Okay, so let's start we'll with um, sim <laughs> simps from high school. Now, without naming... What is this? Naming... No, 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 no. Okay, first, before we have this conversation, I'm sorry, Gif. <laughs> simp has to be defined. Oh, okay. What do yeah, we mean when we simp. use the word okay. simp? to define simp. Simp spelled as in uh, sausage, iguana, mammal, pineapple. Uh, it is defined on Urban Dictionary. The first definition is someone who does way too much for a person they like. Okay. Brian shut. I, so I'm a simp for Tiger Woods. Well, what do you do for Tiger oh, Woods? Oh, I thought you were going to say you're a simp for me. I think about him. I, I guess I don't do anything for him. But okay, he here's a good one. Mind. He lives rent-free in my head. Brian the simp. I bought her a car and a whole ass house, and we're not even dating. So yeah, that would be a simp. Okay. So who the hell from high school are we going to call a simp? We're not even matured in high school. We don't understand how to act normally in society, so we're not going to understand like how to act in a relationship. People, people that were simps toward us or people we were simps towards? No, more of along the lines of people whose relationship or uh, constructive relationship was simpy. I don't want to gossip. That's, that's so dumb. Oh, come on. <laughs> I basically only no. had one, one no. name. 
to talk about, and let's just say, uh, we'll just call him, uh, um, say his name. I don't want to say it. Yeah, it's don't Gifford. say his Call name. It, say it's Gifford. I'm, I'm appropriate. With, I'm okay with the story as long as I do. Well, name so he, you guys have to know who it is. So I'll just don't say the name and uh, okay. confirm if you know who it is. Tim okay. Nebo. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Do you know who it is? <laughs> no. We talked about him in the group. Okay, actually, let me re- let me just tell the story, and you'll know who it is. Yes. Okay. Yes. So this person, uh, it's a dude. He, um, was Wait, in. Tim is a dude. His name is not. Well, yeah, we can call him Tim. His name is not Tim, but yeah, he's a dude. He was in. <laughs> he okay. was in. Like... <laughs> he was in our high school, and he had two very infamous events in high school that I think our friend group remembers most. Number one is that during, uh, I think it was like JV basketball or something, he told one of the, the, the team in excitement that he had performed a sexual act with a female. Now, the sexual act itself, it was very strange, and this is why it's so infamous. Apparently, over the pants, he took his knee, hence Tim Nebo, yes. and rubbed it in the uh, genital area of his uh at the time a girlfriend i guess i really feel like you're trying to say vagina well vagina would be the inside right or is that the uterus gifford yeah it it would be on the that part but it was over the pants so it is it really anything anyway yeah he did that and he got a he he got a a little you know prepubescent high off of that (laughs) He's um, seventeen. That's not prepubescent. Well, I don't know how old he was. He was, I think, it was tenth grade. Uh, story number two is this guy had some behavioral quirks. Quirks is that how you say that word? And uh, one day, um, Twitter, I think it was Twitter or some or Facebook, one of the two. I think it was Twitter because I was on Twitter at the time. Went crazy because apparently, uh, his, his the same girl posted like, oh. Tim is missing. Uh, we don't know where he is. Everybody, like, you see something, let us know. Like, we don't know where he is. He, he's he gone. And it turned out he had run away. And uh, Tim had run away and, and lied. What I remember, and correct me if you guys heard something different, is he, he ran away and lied down in a field until somebody found him. And then he showed I up. I would like the record to reflect that. I don't want to talk about this. I don't understand why we're talking about some random guy from high school. It's just okay. Gossip. Well, instead of just. Uh, now I just have to cut this all out, and that's going to suck. Well, actually, I, I have an interesting point I wanted to bring up, and I think I can I can salvage this. Um, <laughs> Let's so go. I, I mentioned the earlier how I, I brought in the group a couple weeks ago about how I thought Mean Girls was the perfect high school movie. Um, and Giff, you Ooh, brought yes, this up perfect. earlier about how you thought that the German exchange students who came to Robinson um, thought that high school movies had prepared them adequately for the experience. Yeah, they said it was exactly, exactly the same, which is <laughs> like watching <laughs> flattering, if I'm being honest. Like watching Mean Girls for the first time, I and I, I watched it maybe for the first time in ninth grade in biology class. And at the time, I didn't really understand it for, for what it was. Um, I mean, if you're not familiar with the plot of it, essentially, a student who was homeschooled all their life goes to high school uh, and becomes a very popular girl, um, and and starts to self starts to sabotage one of the other popular girls because she's jealous uh, that. Popular girl number two uh, likes this guy she likes, um, but it it spirals out of control from there. It's I, I find it to be a great movie, um, and the reason I do is uh, the the conflict in this high school is centered around what's called a burn book, where it's a bunch of uh, pictures of people, high school students cut out of the yearbook, and little anecdotes written next to them, whether it's just straight up insults, a uh, little gossip. Uh, you know, like like GIF uh, was referring to earlier. Yes, this would be uh, Tim Tim Nebo's section in the burn book. He yes. ran away and needs somebody in the genitals. And I was like, 
at first when I saw that, I'm like, that'll never happen. But now I'm looking back at all these strange anecdotes and stories uh, from high school. And I thought this is actually so realistic because if I had to like put a list of all the insane things that have happened at Robinson, like just in my tenure, if we went all the way back to its founding in 1970, like it would be, there'd be volumes of burn books, you know, just to start, let's go ahead and throw out like, to me, like the yeah, most Yeah, let them out there. Rip ones. them, rip, rip them. I don't know the, the whole, this was before yeah, my give time, it, but do but you have the, the whole, Wikipedia page pulled up? You might want to pull that up. I, yeah, I can pull Cause it Cause that up guy quickly. is famous. Like he does motivational yeah. speaking now, I think. And I tried to track him down. You should get him on the pod. Yeah. That would be awesome. <laughs> So there's a whole section, if you guys go to Wikipedia for Robinson Secondary School, there's a whole section titled LSD Scandal on the page. Uh, so in 1991, Robinson was the center of an LSD trafficking scandal in which a drug ring sold more than 100,000 doses of LSD over two years. The rings were exposed uh, when a 16-year-old Robinson student shot and wounded a Fairfax police officer. In the course of the investigation, it was revealed that six Robinson and Lake Braddock uh, our rival high school graduates were receiving large quantities of the drug through the mail. One of the men who was facing the harshest penalties faked suicide and fled the area, only to be caught two years later in St. Louis. And I think this is who you were. Yeah, what's his name? To, Does it and sentenced him? to 24 years in prison with no possibility of parole. But um, he got out like in 12 years. Mm. D- Does it have his name? No, it doesn't have his name on oh, the page. F. Uh, okay. But. There, there's that. I mean, that's out there on Wikipedia. I know that another yeah. infamous thing has been edited yeah, no, in before I was, where... I was um, going to bring all these up, actually. So, yeah, keep them going. Um, I mean, well, let's think of back the first day of school sophomore year where uh, the band teacher who me and Gifford had been on trips with uh, was arrested for solicitation literal, of a minor. Literal a, trips a to, to hotel rooms in New York City. We went with literally like 500 plus students. And we each, this is so sketchy. There were like hotel rooms of like five students per room. And this dude was on those trips and he was caught solicitating a minor like to have sex with him. So yeah, that's not, that's not strange. But then like, and then we think back of all like the Tim story and all the other bizarreness that Wait, has. the what story? The, the Tim Nebo story. Oh, yeah. Well, let's just get this out there. That guy, the band teacher's name was, uh, what's his first name? Mike. I don't think it's. I, no, Mike, we it's get to Mike slander. Cook. We get to slander these people because they're actually I, I a don't danger. Think, I don't think you should slander sex it's, offenders. It's not a slander if it happened. Hey, man. But if, I mean, like, you know, there are people out there who think that vigilante justice is a good idea and, like, okay. go look at okay. the registry and, All like, right, you fair know, enough. Well, they could, they could probably people. figure it out. Yeah. Well, look, how about this? If we're looking Michael at Keith our Cook. high school through... <laughs> okay, that's staying in just because that's funny. If we're looking at our high school through the lens of, like, you know, a high school movie and how accurate it is to real life, I agree that it is really accurate, but I look at, like, the great times. Like, I remember, you know, driving to class, hanging out with friends in the parking lot, like, having my ice cream, my waiter job, my Your pizza ice delivery cream. job, <laughs> yeah, oh. you know, my ice cream server, um... <laughs> You hang out with friends outside of class, like ski trips with friends. Like it, it was just like a high school movie, but that's because of the good times, you know, like the the high school, like the uh, the high school football games when we all went and we're like the hype squad. We do tailgates. That was awesome. Lot. Let's touch upon that. Like there was a whole uh, two to three month run. Actually, went into the playoffs with me and Alex, but nobody. You and Alex just went to every Robinson game. We literally just went. Like there was yeah, like junior and senior year home games where there was like literally ten to 15 guys who are all just completely painted dressed up in like the most spirited wear and they all had drums and they all had like a drum yeah, beat baby. it was and it was not a good drum beat we'd be right in front of the bleachers was, no i think it was pretty good it was we'd okay start we'd get it, it, was, it was it was it was okay but yeah it was just awesome and, and this we was, were leading everybody in the chance at the football game keep in the mind had nothing on us this was before i would yeah there was like some funny twitter poll i think where they're like, who do you follow more? It was like an SGA like poll. The the cheerleaders are the hype squad, and the hype squad was uh chosen. So you know, pat pat ourselves. But yeah, it was. This was before like I had discovered any sort of uh 
libations, uh, tobacco, what? and any any sort of you know lubricants, social lubricants. No, I was sober that, for all this too, and it was amazing. Still, so I can't even imagine what it would have been like if I was like drunk or something. Uh, yeah, let's just assume that most of the people who who were really into the hype squad cheers may have been you know having a having a couple. Beers I don't, I don't in the think. Car well, before, yeah, well, the people who are into games. the the cheers. Yeah, exactly. It was like if you ever go to an EDM concert. And you're like, this sucks. Why is he playing such bad dubstep? It's not even good. It's just really, like, really, uh, obs- like, ob- extreme. Well, if it's dubstep, it's bad dubstep. Well, it's really obst- extreme drops. There's no, like, rhythm. There's no, like, tenor. It's all just bad bass. The reason is, everybody, for listening, this is the secret, is they're playing for their audience who is all drugged out of their mind on Molly, and which is really just meth. And that music sounds good to them because they're really high. So that's kind of what Molly was like LSD. It's it's supposed to be MDMA, but what everybody actually gets is just meth that is per, so, told to be Molly, but it's not really. Could it have been PQR? No, I don't. But my point is, the majority of high school students were really hammered. And so that's probably why they like the hype squad so bad, because it was like really appealing for drunk people, but not really appealing for sober people who could tell how out of rhythm and like bad we were and just obnoxious. No, I didn't think we were sober. If there's one people drunk people love, it's yelling, yelling and beating on drums. Um, but there beating was meat. there was one story in there that I I forgot to talk about that we went over. Oh yeah, the ski trip. Alex, why don't you uh, tell the story of this, the, the most infamous story of the ski trip that all of us still remember to this day, even though we didn't even go on it. Just, you yeah. don't have to give out names. Just, yeah, just set, the, preface... set the scene of what happened that one single day. I'd love to preface the story with saying that I, I am the only one among us who, who went on this ski trip, among us here on the cast. Um, but I, I tried to get everybody to go because it sounded so much fun. The, the, uh, the deal was that the, the local skate shop had a partnership with a company that would bus high school students from the county. Um, it was sketchy. All the way this, yeah, so I sketchy. just want to also say real quick, this is so sketchy. <laughs> like this... We were like, what, 15 asking our parents to ship us to Canada for a we're, weekend? We're like... Drinking is legal, by the way, I'm pretty sure, or at least way easier to do. Yeah, for, for 18 year olds, it's legal in Ottawa or Quebec. Um, yeah, they, they'd bus us up to Montremblant Ski Resort in Montreal, uh, or not in Montreal, but about an hour north of Montreal. Um, and we play, we pay a flat rate of $500 that pays for our transportation, our lift tickets for three days, um, our rentals if we need them, and um, a stay in a really, really nice villa in the town. And so... Um, a lot of people from Robinson went there, and we, we mixed in with a lot of other high schools from the county. So we, you know, we, we became friends with everybody quick. Um, but it was a big, um, it was a big trip. You know, for people who were really into drinking and drugs, um, that was where you would do it. Um, that was the first time I ever actually got drunk was on that ski trip on in the senior year because I did it junior year and senior year. The event that Gif wants me to talk about happened in junior year, where um, this guy took what he thought was LSD, um, but it was actually, um, it was, it was closer to PCP. It was, it was synthetic and it was closer to PCP. So instead of, you know, getting you kind of mellow and trippy and a, you know, a nice comfortable sense, as long as you're in a controlled environment, um, it really amps you up. Um, it completely lowers your inhibitions and it, it turns you into a gorilla basically. So this guy took it and uh, he took it inside of his villa and the villas are, are basically like, um, like a condo complex is what we were staying in. You know, we had a, an entire house to ourselves. It was basically like a huge apartment in this complex of huge apartments. Um, and he had the one above me. He was a grade above all of us. So he was a senior, he was a Robinson student. And, um, I was, it must've been evening cause we were done skiing, but I remember we were about to go find dinner. Um, and we hear all this banging in, in the villa above us. We're like, oh, what the hell's going on up there? Um, but we're just hanging out playing video games or something, just making fun. And a minute later, this this chick who had, uh, who's, who's, you know, from our school came in and she was in a daze. She was like, oh my God, guys, I just got thrown against the wall. 
and we're like, what? What's going on? So we all crowd around her. She sits at like the head of the, the dining room table. And we're, we're all like, like, I remember us like all crowded around her and we, we had like something going on, like right there at the table. We like moved it out of the way so she could sit down, like got her a glass of water. And she's like, oh man, this guy, he, he went crazy. He just picked me up and screamed and threw me up against the wall. And then we, we started hearing more bangs like like banging you know uh, above us and so me and this other guy are like oh man we need to go up there and see what's going on and we we go into the stairwell and we walk up the stairs and, and we don't open the door to that floor but we can see through the the stairwell door window there are a whole bunch of mounties and um hired security who who are like standing outside the door and this this naked dude runs through the door and and gets tased a bunch of times by all these guys and he's screaming his head off like clearly out of his mind and he, he gets tackled by like nine or ten of these mounties and we go back down and we're like oh man that that was crazy so we're trying to piece together what happened with our friends and some other people who started gathering in our villa and then some other guys who were who were in the room upstairs at the time came down and um, one of them had like a really bloodied hand and they're like, Hey, this, this guy took this drug and, and he basically went insane. He, he took a plasma screen TV, he, you know, he, he threw it across the room. He, he smashed through a wall. He, they were like showing us pictures of damage to the room, but it had been closed off by the Mounties. So we can see what was going on really. Um, and they, they were like, this one guy was like, he, he was going so insane. I had to punch him in the face. to like try to get him to calm down. And, and he like, he threw me against the wall and that's like how he blooded his hand and, so apparently um, the, the rest of this story is conjecture because I never talked to him about it. I'd only talked to people who talked to people who talked to him. But apparently this guy woke up um, in a psychiatric facility up there in Quebec um, with like no memory of what happened the night before and a bill for seven th several thousands of dollars that he owed um, to the villa company. So yeah, that's what happened. I heard it was well, We got some good 000. skiing in. It, for, no, no, no. It, it was not forty thousand. It was probably closer to ten thousand, if it was even that. Uh, but yeah, we got we got some really great skiing in done that trip and the trip after. The town was beautiful. Fantastic time with friends. A good bus ride up there and back. It was a good trip. Awesome. Another thing that that reminds me of another thing, and I hope you guys don't mind. I'm just jumping around here to other funny things that you know happened in the high school era, sort of. Um, there's a there's a great little shopping center that we always used to frequent, the Burke Center Parkway Shopping Center. Um, if if those of you who are listening know, uh, it's it's by uh, Safeway, uh, Chesapeake Bagel Bakeries in there. There's all sorts of cool places, uh, Ch Chick Fil A now. But anyway, GameStop, in, GameStop, yeah, Starbucks. And that's where the Chipotle was. That's where half of Fairfax was. That Chipotle because the yeah, one yeah, you go to the Chipotle even today. Even today, if we walk into the Chipotle, you'll see people we went to high school yeah. with. But anyway, in that shopping center, there's a McDonald's, and who knows where I'm going with this. In oh, that McDonald's, <laughs> there was this video that surfaced on Twitter, and to this day, one of my biggest regrets I've ever had in my whole life is that I did not save this video when it was on Twitter. <laughs> Oh, yes. Yeah. That, 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 you should regret that. that was... <laughs> anyway, there was a man, uh, a, a former student. I think he was a grade below us. Um, I was won't probably say... a minor at the time it was recorded. I think, he, I think we were in college, so I think he was good. Oh, fair. Okay. But anyway, when he, we knew him in high school, he was very obese. He had a very fat face, uh, long hair. And so... Wrong details to focus on. Well, here, li listen to this. When we saw the video, he was almost in, unrecognizable. But somebody in, I think, our circle recognized who it was um, when we showed him the video because he had lost all this weight, and you'll find out why in a minute. But there was this guy. You know how McDonald's has the, the grill area, and it's, like, behind the register? They, well, you just see a video of uh, somebody filming <laughs> the people like working behind the register, like pulling the trays out, grabbing the patties, putting them on the burgers. And then you just see this naked man stumble by. And then he like, I think he grabs, I don't think, uh, did he grab any food? Does anybody remember? No, I don't remember him grabbing any food. Yeah, I, think... I just remember somebody filming him from, you know, the, the safe yeah. side of the register. <laughs> and he, he's like back there walking around and the manager's like walking behind him, trying to stop him. And he, he he's he's uh, he's out of his mind too. He's he keeps going. Like, I'm tripping, yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah. He keeps going. I'm and tripping. He's like walking I'm around tripping. trying to evade the manager. 
<laughs> and and I don't the people grabbing any food, but he was just naked behind there. I don't the know what pe- happened. The people who are working don't even notice until he's like right next to them, and then they like <laughs> turn and freak. I out. don't know how a trip like that starts. That doesn't make any sense to me. How do you even? How do you, how do you get naked? And how do you get behind the McDonald's? It reminds me. Oh, they're not gonna stop a naked man. Well, I know, but like he just yeah, they have naked strength. <laughs> They're, they're not paid minimum wage to do anything but I'm not saying you, I'm not saying you stop them but like it was almost it reminded me of the Trump the Trumpies in the Capitol he just sort of appeared behind there it wasn't like he, what's a Trumpy like a MAGA well we I, it's obviously a in a bridge video because you don't see him climb behind there like there's obviously there was a a, a path to get him into McDonald's. No, he's he, a magical shaman who just appeared. There. They, it, they, they secreted him into the McDonald's <laughs> weekly delivery truck in one of the fryer grease boxes. And when his time finally came, when they were going to unbox him, he popped that pill and popped out of that box. <laughs> It's wow. just I wish I wish I could watch the video so bad. Alex, it's... you spent some time in food services. Did you ever do anything obscene behind? The <laughs> oh yeah. Did you ever yeah, put your penis time. in a pizza? No, I never did that. Um, but yeah. one of the craziest pl- I've worked in a ton of restaurants, and one of the craziest restaurants I worked in was Friendlies, because it was. You know, on the outside, you see it as a kind of dingy family restaurant where you get ice cream and you get gross chicken tenders and you appease your kids. But on on the inside, the people who worked there, you were either a high schooler or you were at like the frontier of your life. Like everything had gone wrong and you just you just had to work at the friendlies or become homeless. Um, And so you'd, you'd, you'd have like you know, the people who really just like were so dissatisfied with their life that they were working there. And then the people who go there to, to try to have a good time and appease their kids. And so they're, they're always going to be servers like coming to me, like really pissed off. My job was the, the, the ice cream Sunday guy. So when the orders would come in, you know, like the orders would go into the kitchen, you know, make me a burger. They would come into me, like make me a three scoop chocolate ice cream or something. So I do that. And every once in a while, the servers would be like, hey, this guy's like really telling me off. He's doing this, this, and that. Spitting his milkshake. So I'd spit in his milkshake. I, I did stuff like that several times. It, it, it happens all the time. That's not the only restaurant I've worked in where, where they do that. But it, it was super prevalent there where the Damn employees it, like Alex. really did not care about their job. And so uh, Alex, I don't know. They, Alex just literally admitted to spitting in people's milkshakes on the channel. Alex is guess. responsible for the closing of all Friendly's <laughs> franchises in Virginia. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad, Alex. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, I was 16. I, gotta I, give you credit. I did worse things when I gotta give you credit. When I was 16. For I've done it, worse though. things. I'm not proud of it whatsoever, but it, you know, it, it happened. I mean, to be honest, though, I, I regret it, and I would. I wish I never did it. And I would. Probably not that big a deal unless you had some sort of like disease or illness. Um, they're never gonna know you spit in it, and it probably. Didn't, Thank you for the reassurance. Didn't affect their lives at all, unless you had like mono or something. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's, now, it's, now it's still really dumb, but yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, I do all kinds of crazy stuff like that, but um, it's it's really funny to me where a lot of restaurants I'd work, the servers are, you know, like college students trying to make it by, or, um, you know, like teachers or somebody like trying to earn a little bit of extra income, but the managers are, are the people who you kind of got to watch out for in the restaurant business. Because the managers are the people who choose restaurants as a career, who choose that kind of stressful lifestyle where you don't really need much of an education to get there, but you're in charge of people. You're a place oh, in a position man. of power. Oh, man. I know where you're yeah. going here. Yeah, um, yeah so there, there's a lot of abuse of that power. There's a huge amount of harassment, um, like a lot of poor judgment in general um, that, that happens in restaurants that – Servers just know that they're going to have to deal with if they're going to work in a restaurant. You have to, if you're going to work in a restaurant, you're going to have a manager who is stupid and rude and unfairly treats you like. Speaking shit. of, Villa Bella just closed or fired their general manager, right? Did they? Good, because I mean, I like sexual harassment or something. Yeah, like my right. favorite pizza. And that's actually a funny story. It was in the news that the the manager at Villa Bella had, you know, um, on record, uh, based on uh, accounts of. You, I guess 
quote survivors unquote had, had sexually harassed them by like slapping their so ass i wonder if and, like, um, trying to look at them I wonder if this is the same manager at Vela Bella that I have beef with. So I went there like four years ago and you have context. A beef. Yeah. So <laughs> let me finish the story. So I've been going to Vela Bella since it's opened in about 2002. It's been my favorite pizza place for, for 20 years. I lived across the street for, you know, 14 of them. Um, in about 2017, I come home from college and we go, you know, my family goes out to eat at Vela Bella and I actually like get in a bit of a, <laughs> a tiff with the manager like i i don't normally like you were drunk ask, i don't normally no i was i was sober i don't normally like get karen at management at restaurants but they took large pizzas off of the dine-in menu and that pissed me the fuck off <laughs> and I, andrew like, is the, not here for no medium pizzas <laughs> no yeah it was absurd <laughs> like i don't understand you have that big pizza oven over there why is it such a freaking hassle for you to, instead of making it to go, how about you bring it out here to my table? But no, that's not the way the new manager was running it. So I really hope it's the same creep. And the next person who runs it will think, huh, maybe we should serve large and pizzas. Andrew inside. doesn't actually care about the sexual assault victims. He would simply <laughs> like to have a large <laughs> I pizza. I just want my large pizza. <laughs> Well, yeah. actually, my buddy worked at the Villa Bella um, two years ago when he was just between contracting jobs, and I would visit him all the time because he he'd like you know give me food for fifty percent off or something like that. Um, and there there was hardly anybody in there when I visited because I visit on the off time, so I, I always had the chance to like hang out and chat with the managers and the kitchen people and the servers who were there. And I don't remember the manager doing anything like creepy or rude when I saw him there, he was, he was nothing but friendly to me. Of course, I, I, you know, I believe the chicks who are, who are saying that he was harassing them, but um, the kitchen guys were like insane when I were there. They, they were like, I, I could like pick out a little bit of, you know, their vulgar Spanish um, when I, uh, you know, work in, in other restaurants. Like, I, I pick up like all the, like the bad phrases they used to talk about the, the female servers and all that. And, Man, they, they were like relentless. That's like all they were saying over there was like dirty stuff about the female servers. It's the it's the kitchen guys you gotta you gotta worry about at Villa Bella. Yeah, it sounds like everything in a kitchen confidential was real. <laughs> and we're done, everybody. I hope you all enjoyed that episode and that it was a good distraction for you. Um, I just wanted to give you a little bit of uh, suggestions of what you can do to help grow the podcast. Help make it better and to help me create more episodes uh the number one thing you can do is give me feedback via any of the social media links you see in the anchor app or you know you know where to find me uh facebook twitter um, instagram we have a reddit everywhere youtube uh just give me some feedback tell me what you like tell me what you didn't like and tell me that you listened that is the most important feedback, is that you listen to the episode. Um, you know, I, I can see numbers, but I don't know who's listening. I, I can see where they're from. I can see generally, like, uh, what state they're from, but I don't know who's listening. So doing that can help. Another thing that can really help is if you subscribe, like, rate, review, and help me inflate these numbers on these apps. Uh, if you're on Apple, subscribe on Apple so you so the episodes get downloaded to your phone right away. If you're on Spotify, subscribe on Spotify. Uh, follow the Chungus Cast, like the Chungus Cast, all that good stuff. And the third most important thing you can do is help promote the Chungus Cast, whether that's by reposting um, when I put social media out there or if that's by telling your friends. But just helping to uh, promote the Chungus Cast just a little bit is a priceless uh, thing you can do that costs you nothing. And it, and it helps me tremendously. With that all being said, I really appreciate you all listening to this point, And I'll let you go. And uh, look out Sunday morning because there's going to be another thing dropping. And bye-bye.